Welcome to Rogue Agents, a podcast about stuff and idiots who can't technology right. Uh, we are your hosts, Wizard <laughs> and Finger Guns, aka Sam, Sammy Two Pews. Sammy, up, Sammy, 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 Sammy Two Pews, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm killing it. I'm tired tonight. I'm super tired tonight. I had a great long weekend. Not not long. Like like the weekend felt long, right? So it was one of those. So that was good. Yeah. But uh, I've been channeling my. Uh, my, my dad energy, I was falling asleep on the couch right before we started doing this. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Uh, we've been looking at little little videos, like little uh, basically puppy chihuahuas. And there was one of those nice. little belly. And it's just like, like this. <laughs> I just passed cool. out. Yeah, and I'm like, that's me when I'm watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> are you guys, do, do you just watch chihuahua videos for fun? Or are you in the market for... Uh, no, we got into the fleet. <laughs> we got we got two chihuahuas. Um, I guess I guess some sad news. We had uh, our our female had a litter, but um, only one of them made it. So, it happened Friday. So, real real rough weekend. Um, That's super sad. Yeah, but it is what it is. We're we got one. We're gonna we're gonna end up keeping her because just yeah. But we're gonna. They're doing good though. She's mom, mama puppy, whatever. Mom, her name's Belle, the mom, and she's she's doing good, and the puppy seems to be doing just fine. So, at least we have that. Um, That's good. But other than that, other than that, we uh, just I've just been grinding out games left and right, and trying to X Force X Force, and with a splash of Midnight Suns on the side here and there to change things up, and. Still haven't painted since Nova because I'm bad and <laughs> <laughs> working on uh, figuring out what we want to do to revamp certain things. And uh, I guess a little behind the yep. scenes uh, for those who would like to know, we are looking at revamping Accountability Club, revamping Challenge of the Quarter. Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, Bingo, baby. Stuff. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, a bunch of other stuff we're looking at trying to alter to bring back some fun interactability with the cast and the listeners. So that'll be coming out. We're still working on it. Nothing really to put out yet other than that. Um, tonight I am drinking a Hazy Days IPA by Legend Brewing Company. It's got a picture of a unicorn on it, and I thought it was perfect. Um, Sam it's nice. has So it's a Deadpool show tonight. It's a, de- it's a Deadpool My show. My Russian tonight. Uh, what have you been playing? We've been talking off. I've been uh, I've been struggling to wrap my head around how to play X Men Blue, uh, just because it's basically a brand new affiliation with uh, brand new yeah. characters. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I have not cracked the code yet. I think that uh, it's it's got a lot of it really opens up the X Men toolbox. I would say. And knowing when to use which tool, both like at the turn zero level and then across the the turns of the game is something that I have not fully grokked yet. And so yeah. uh, it's been, uh, I'm on a learning streak <laughs> with the old X-Men blue right now. <laughs> but I mean, I'm also maybe forcing them into every game and playing with a very aggressive strategy trying to see, you know, like how much value I can get from Scott's leadership. And mm-hmm. uh, that means I'm rolling a lot of dice, which yeah. is uh, one of the uh, most, you know, butt-clenching things you can do in 
Marvel Crisis Protocol is just like roll these dice and see what happens. Because I'm not running with any mods yet. I think I'm going to maybe need some, at least to kick them while they're oh. down. <laughs> how are you? Uh, how are you feeling about Scott's leadership? It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks since it's a, again, so. It's very neat. Um, it has the same. I'm, I'm running into the same problem that I always run into with like uh, on damage triggers. Which is that mm. if you need the on damage trigger, you're not going to get it. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll two. You're gonna block two, and then I'm not gonna get my extra power. Nor am I going to get the power on my character from from dealing damage. That's so not obviously you know like every time and things like that. But it is definitely one of those things where it's like, well, all right, if I get this power, then I think I'm pretty much set up, and then I, I don't get it. That's like, well, back to the drawing board then. Let's start over. <laughs> uh, i'm also like been playing them uh like incredibly aggressively like going down on points early trying to force more of an attrition approach and i don't think that's correct for what that's worth <laughs> that's they've got some they've got some hitters you know there, there are there are affiliated hitters all over that team but because it's more of a, a toolbox uh you don't necessarily bring three hammers to uh, an individual match I think more often than not. Bring three hammers at all, anyways, because yeah, probably is not. That scenario to be bringing. <laughs> right, let's go ahead and uh, use that to start talking about some scenarios going on. You know, um, so I guess like our main topic we want to talk about is figuring out crises in a new world of MCP. I guess, and it's very Absolutely. much um, like how, where, where do you want to start with this one? We got we, there's a lot to go over here. Well, what do you pick, right? Because it used to be before before the this this last you know batch of updates, uh, there are a lot of things that that seemed pretty obvious, at least in my mind. I almost have more problems now trying to choose what I want to bring for my crises than I did after the crisis update. Because with the crisis update, you know, you're just like, okay, just scratch everything back to the drawing board. What's good? What's bad? Let's figure these out. And trying to understand like how the actual crisis work for me is something that, you know, my, my MCP boomer levels of knowledge of the game, where it's like, I've been playing long enough that I understand how a lot of the characters work. I've played a lot of the setups before when the characters change, when we get this many like brand new characters. And if you figure that it's like this batch in the revision, and then it's also the core two characters, like there's a lot of new happening in the game right now. So it, it feels very fresh to me and, I'm kind of back to square one when it comes to like what crisis do I want to play, which is also like, like what I want to play is usually where I start, right? That's like the first, the, like step one for me on the, what crisis am I going to play with this squad? Like, what do I want to play on? What crises do I actually want to play? Which I think is, I have no idea right now. <laughs> There. All right, so I I have a question for you then. Um, what do you think gives you? I guess uh, where is the most agency as a player that you have on the crises for that game? Uh, it's in your your roster construction phase. That's when you have the is most agency okay. so far. As I, crisis I, construction. I, I, I dis I disagree. <laughs> I actually disagree here. Okay, because. I could have six crises in my list, right? And mm. only one of those is going to get played in the game. Now, yeah, I agree with you there. Who decides? Who decides on 
which side of your secures or extracts, that's going to be priority player. So arguably, mm-hmm. priority player, having priority, is what's for the biggest agency on the crises for that game. Okay. I mean, I, I see what you're saying there. I can. I don't disagree with you. I guess the reason, just, just to defend my, my hill a little bit, is that mm-hmm. it's during the you know roster construction time frame, the pre-turn zero, where you're getting to select six crises and you get to like select each of those things for you know or with reasons and so i'm saying that like your agency is during that moment where you're narrowing down the field of you know what like 20 something well, well, 22 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 extracts mm-hmm. and 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 secures 22 yeah 10 and 12 Okay, so okay, you're you're so, narrowing down ten and twelve to three each, but, which but I think is reality, there's a lot of agency in that. Oh, you're 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 also correct. But but in all reality, you're really narrowing from twenty two to one, and that one is decided by the player with priority. I don't completely agree with you there, but I'll I'll let you I'll, I'll feed you some rope and see where this <laughs> <Okay>. goes. <laughs> all right, so. Let's just let's just focus on extracts first. If I pick okay. out of my what was it 10, 10 extracts, now I have three extracts. If right. my opponent has prio and they like my extracts, then only one of my extracts get chosen and none of my secures. Well, why, so, why would they like your extracts? Because I agree that's definitely the way that I approach yeah. the the turn zero point when I if I win the priority roll. What do you run for your what, what are your reds and your blues? Right? What are your secures? What are your extracts? Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at those, and I'm going to decide which one of your three group, which, which one of your groups of three I feel more comfortable on than mm-hmm. the others, or which one of my six, you know, my, my, my three and three, do I feel like you're going to struggle on or present a, a bigger problem yep. for you? So there's definitely a tremendous amount of agency at that point. But I, I think that you should have brought crises to the match that you're comfortable with they should so, all be yeah, things that... like you don't you shouldn't be playing stuff that like you've never played and you're like you're just bad on uh, yeah. that's a terrible idea uh, you don't bring deadly meteors in your kingpin only squad like don't yeah. do that like that's just, just that's, don't do that's it. silly um but where where i'm trying to say is if i have 10 extracts and my opponent's gonna limit it down to one or if I have again, like it's really twenty-two down to one because you only get one secure or one extract. So really, in all in all reality, it's twenty-two down to one, and that is decided by your whoever has priority. Either you have priority, and you're like, I want my secures and not this. Uh, where where this is all ultimately leading to is uh, like hammers is probably the best example. Um, everybody who talks about hammers is man. If I have hammers with priority, well. The only way you're not going to have <laughs> hammers, the only way you're going to have hammers with priority is if you take yeah. your opponent's hammers. You're never going to have priority on your own hammer because then your opponent just gave you probably a 70 30 chance of winning. Um, and they just didn't see the chance. They just didn't see they're either a newer player, they didn't see the fact that you have really good hammer game, all that type of stuff. So, where I'm leading with all Wait, of this is this. Go You're ahead. disregarding the the I win priority and I love hammers with prio so much that I pick my extracts play. But then you're giving up. I don't, I don't I don't care I don't I don't care what you have. 
because my hammers game is so strong or my, my senator's game is so strong or my extract game is so strong that I just pick my extracts unless it's like one of the, you know, handful of actual speed bump secures that you have. That, but that's that, now that, you're, that's be but now you're throwing so in you're throwing in different variabilities. So why not we just Always. look at but like why not we just look at what is the most um I guess like variable I, I can't think of the word I'm thinking of like basically the, like like excluding variabilities, the most well rounded crises list that I could take for my list specifically. I think that is arguably the better way to look at your crisis selection instead of trying to hedge your bets. Because if you hedge your bets, you're gonna hedge your bet in the wrong place and the house always wins. Maybe. <laughs> it's, true. it's true though. Like like I, I'm very much of this opinion right now that I love hammers. I love hammers in my X Force team. Uh, I have yeah, a good play I on hammers. That. I have a good plan for hammers. I don't bring hammers because I've never had an opponent say, let's play your extracts. And more often than not, if I have priority, I would rather play my opponent's extracts because they're taking hammers. They're taking Cree core. They're taking XYZ. Um, and I'd rather put them on an uncomfortable secure, like let's say scoundrels to where I'm able to leverage one. I can, mm-hmm. I have priority. I could have a uh, one uh, 33% chance of getting hammers, and now I'm going to put them on an uncomfortable secure on top of that. Uh, I honestly truly think, and I, I've kind of always thought this, like secures are keen. They're dictating where your um, match is being set up, where your fights are going to happen. Sure, extracts do it. But even when you play Gamma, you go out, get an extract, come back to Gamma. You're playing um, Scoundrels. It dictates your movements on where you're going. Secures pretty much almost always almost always i won't be like they do uh because they don't always uh dictate your positioning on the board so i would rather control where my opponent's going to be going for for like the long term than their round one plays because that's what that's what around one plays around one play it's it's not going to be there sure. the rest of the game so i don't think that we live in guess, a world where everyone needs to like sh- shudder and shake in fear from an ASM or an Angela, like turn one grab on a center line. Um, I also agree with you in that, like one of the major reasons I didn't run hammers for a really long time. I'm back on it right now in uh, the black order list anyway, uh, because I do like some of the effects that it has on the game, but uh, I do not run on Tessie because of how bad I, I, I hate that without priority. I I never, ever, 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 ever want to put that out there with that's my that's my same reason for me not wanting to run hammers hammers is so swayed in favor of whoever has priority because almost everybody has a game plan for hammers because of how good hammers is and how everybody's good at hammers um i think black order is a little bit different i think they're an outlier here because black order do black order things uh so i don't really know how to do that but like i think generally speaking the majority of affiliations arguably shouldn't be breeding hammers because you're going to end up playing on it without priority. Your opponent's going to get that leg up on you. You're going to run into Sam and he's going to say, Oh, I have hammers and you have hammers. Okay. Easy day. Um, I I definitely think that it's like one of those situations where when I look at what I'm breeding for my extracts and my secures, I'm not anymore looking at like, okay, what's my priority play. I'm looking at like, what is my play? I don't care if I have priority or non-priority. It's what do I have to play this? Am I playing eyes? Okay, I'm not playing eyes. Do I have a grunt? Okay, I'm playing a grunt. 
Um, what do I do for counter center line grabs? What do I do for this? And instead of looking at it so singularity, because all I ever see anybody talk about is I have a really good X priority play. Uh, I have a really good, like, I'm great on this on priority. Okay, well, what's your, we've talked about this before, too. Like, what is your non-priority play? And oh, yeah, what do you do when you get punched in the mouth? <laughs> Cry. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Caleb shielded yeah. me, okay? I have, I, my teeth are fine. <laughs> um, but, and, and when it comes down to your crisis selection, I think what people should be looking to is, isn't necessarily, like, maybe even, I'm good at this with prio. So maybe I don't actually want it because it's a very popular scenario and I could bring something else that yeah. I'm good whether I have prio or I don't have prio. I would much rather bring a more – I'd rather bring like a 60-40 split on both prio and non-prio than a 75-25 if I have prio and a 40-60 if I don't have prio. Like even out your odds by – doing that with your crisis selection on I know I have game whether I have prior or don't have prior on these scenarios instead of focusing on that if I have prior I just win this game because you're going to lose maybe half of those games when you don't have prior maybe, maybe. I mean, <clears throat> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to help you Sam <laughs> what are you trying to help me you're trying to help me with my, my crisis dilemma yeah. I think that this takes I mean, experience and reps. I think that crisis selection is one of the, if not the hardest aspects of playing objectively correct Marvel crisis protocol that understanding both what the team, the, the roster that you made, like what does that actually function best on is huge. Mm -hmm. Understanding that is largely experience based. Uh, it's based on you as a player, your level of experience, you as a player, your tastes and preferences, the things that you'll choose to do, in a given moment. Uh, and I think the, the third element is pushing things on other people that they're not going to have okay. advantaged game plans. I want to go back to your second point here. Um, okay. And I'm spacing on how you worded it. Can you, can you rephrase what you said again? Uh, that it, it's your, your, your predilections as a player, the things that you're going to choose to do, like as yeah, you're yeah. playing okay. the game. So, my point with this is MCP has such a wide roster of characters now that mm -hmm. we can't sit here and say Black Order is just absolutely terrible on X because now you you could you, like if anybody if you're going to a competitive event, it's a bad you, example because they're really, really bad is. on Okay, portals. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> I, I, what I'm trying to say though is like if you're a competitive player. You're tuning your list to make it to where you're at least decent and you're going to put up a fight on every single scenario. Correct. So you can't really go with that line of thinking of, well, I'm going to take this because I have a 60-40 into 90% of the field. Um, I'd rather do something that I'm like, everybody's just bad at this. Because if I play this enough and I work in something and typically... Like, like, let's think of, uh, I, think, I think Centers is like the I, biggest example I have right now. Um, okay. pre previously speaking, nobody played Senators because they were afraid of the Mystique Deception play or uh, Thanos Cosmic Portal in the World. Um, all these different themes that are much more limited than they used to be. Um, so Senators is very much high on my radar of being just a really good scenario that people should be really playing right now. 
and arguably be practicing because it's going to be more and more as people realize that if I just have reps with senators and my opponent doesn't, I usually just win senators. I, I mean, again, I would just harp on this is there's a lot of experience at play here that yeah. playing those reps, right? So, like, you don't need to bring only, you know, these three crises that you feel super advantaged on because you have amazing turn one plays or, you know, you have kingpin and so you have great secure game. Like, okay, great. Uh, but playing the game, getting reps, mm-hmm. playing on stuff, knowing what your approach is on a given crisis, on a given crisis pairing, all that stuff comes with like that. That's, that's the reps. That's you're getting that from playing the game. Okay. Uh, well, you don't just like stumble into senators one day and be like, Oh, look at that. I'm amazing at this. The thing is though, like what I'm, what I'm asking Sam for you to do is stop grabbing that low hanging fruit. And look, look at it deeper than that. Like right now, you're just you're grabbing that low hanging fruit of like reps, reps, reps. Well, like let's look more into like the theory of it and less of what's face value. Because face value is yes, reps are keen. Reps will always be keen. Um, okay. I I I'm very much becoming of this mindset that yes, reps are important, but making people uncomfortable is more important. Um, Make people uncomfortable people is huge. Are, pe- that was that was the so, entirety. <laughs> of of the approach last year that was like yeah and I'm it was back the, on the, it the low thread like <laughs> just make you uncomfortable like i am i am on uh meteors um intrusions which is that's kind of a neutral scenario and uh scoundrels and then i have senators paranoia and uh virus so i have like one on both mm-hmm. sides that's very very neutral and then like the other two are very like, oh god, I don't want to play that. Like and every time I play somebody, it's like I don't want either of yours. Like these are terrible. Like, <laughs> and that's what I want to hear. Like I want to hear my opponent absolutely like, on crisis selection be like, I don't want to play either of your secures or your. Like I have a one in three chance on both sides to get something that's at least neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely think this has been a a line again. Like we tried it last year, and I, don't, I think it was just. Like I just think that the big boys just overran what we were trying to do, um, but I, I'm trying it again and it's working yeah. great. And it's more of what is the field bad into? What is like the meta bad into on scenarios? If I get reps on these and make my team good at these, then I instantly have an advantage on at least half of the objectives on the board. Um, and it's 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 been working. It's been working really well. And. It's. I think the biggest thing when you're looking at like why do I choose a crisis? Um, I think something that people need to start leaning towards is stop looking at those round one plays. It's good to know your round one plays. It's good to know your opponent's round one plays. But I'm starting to think uh, like this is like honest. Like I, I, I think they're a trap. Uh, round one plays don't always win you the game. If don't win you the game ever, it's what happens after the round one play. So the round one play sets you up it's like t-ball right you have the ball it's set up it's ready to hit it's right there in front of you that low-hanging fruit it's all ready to go you hit the ball you grab that secure you grab that you grab that extract you're ready to go well now what do you do so people just focus on round one plays you could hit the ball all day and like what if the string on the little t-ball got cut what are you what are you gonna do the ball's gone I, i would push back on you just a little bit at least on your secures Stop. You're very advantaged on all of your secures. 
for, for what that's worth. You've got uh, a built-in cover negation on basically mm-hmm. your entire team because of the leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, you have been talking for months about how good X-Force is at meteors for mm-hmm. various reasons. So you, you definitely mm-hmm. got that. And intrusions is just money in the bank for any anybody. Uh, I, I know that uh, one of the X-Force shows you did, you talked about how you didn't like how people could come in and like dive on you from, from intrusions and that that's uncomfortable. But I mean, you've got enough range and I personally, I think that intrusions is, is great. I'll take the dive because it means they're not scoring points. Like they're, they're bringing, if if they're jumping through there, they're, they're dropping objectives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) that feels good. This is Sam. This is, this is like part 10 of my 30 step crisis selection process. Um, so I, I guess like, I guess, I guess I should clarify. Um, I'm more talk about extracts because when I'm thinking about okay. this whole, uh, I don't think definitely needed to clarify that extracts are where you're trying to make your opponent uncomfortable. You want them to pick your secures, uh, because secures are easier to evaluate how your opponent's going to do on them. Cause they're not moving. They're not, I guess, Fisk moves, but like, they're not moving. You know how they're going to impact the game. You know that yeah. if I play XYZ on Scoundrels, I generally know what that opponent is going to do on that. One, because of reps. Two, because like there's only so much you could do on Secures. Yeah, it, it's, no, it's the battlefield, no. right? Like That's, that's yeah. where people are going to stand around and wait to die. So I think Secures are super easy to figure out just because it's like, that is where you pick. This is where I'm best at. Because prio or non-prio doesn't really matter for secures, in my honest opinion. It really doesn't matter. Um, yeah, you're going to go where you're going to go, and you're going to stand where you're going to stand. Uh, the only thing that really matters is, do I have the dice to roll pay to flips if I'm bringing pay to flips? Uh, well, so, yes, uh, I think that the player who loses priority has... The player who doesn't have priority, right? whoever's acting last in the round, has a slight advantage on secures, for what yeah. that's worth. Okay, no, I, I agree with that just because they could like be like, oh, if I just go put a body over here, I'm either robbing yeah. you a point or I'm stopping and we can go parity. Uh, absolutely. Right. Or you've got control but, pieces that you save till the end. But, but my, my point here is I strongly think that secures are easier because of like how they act in the game. It's easier to be like, I want this, this, and this. I'm going to take the ones that I'm best at because if my opponent gives you my secures and they take their extracts, then I know I probably have at least a quarter to half of the points on the table, which means it's way easier to keep parity. Um, mm. So there, there's that. But back to extracts, extracts is where it gets hard because it's very much, these are moving. These are very much what my opponent does is going to impact it. And this is where like, the whole round one plays. I think people need to stop focusing on round one plays because, again, does the round one play actually win you the game? The game is too long for a round one play to just straight up win you the game. You've got to make other good decisions on the table. Um, it can secure you a lead that you can maintain for the rest of the game, depending on like what, what that looks like. Like uh, a great example for this is like a, an infinity hammers setup, right? Mm-hmm. Where you've got four and four and the distance between those two B columns is so far that you're basically, you know, people have to take so much time to get from the left side to the right side, right side to the left side. It's like they have to take a turn off 
and that can like destroy the scoring in that game if they don't do it right or you know they're going to like try to assault the castle with not enough manpower so that's the kind of thing where if you can create it if you have an early lead on like a hammers infinity setup you're up by one point you can maintain that for the rest of the game and until somebody like, dumps the hammers and then all of a sudden it swaps Oh yeah, like, and I, that's where. No, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that you put three hammers on Hulk and like you know <laughs> get him in the mix there. I'm saying like yeah. if you spread out the hammers right and you were able to claim an uh, an extra secure point for whatever reason, you brought an extra body, you did something else. Uh, in some way, you were able to get parity on hammers and then claim three on the infinity formula. If you can do that, mm. and then not risk your hammers, basically make them come into you, have enough range attacks, be shield, do something else where you've got, you know, more options for disrupting your opponent's attacks and you can hold on to a lead like that. I think that you can get a lead in turn one and hold on to it for the rest of the game. I don't think that you should walk into every single game with priority going, all I have to do is grab an early lead and then lean into that for the rest of the game. I've played enough Asgard and X-Men to know that that just doesn't happen. The model that should have stayed melts the model that, you know, <laughs> someone dies, the hammer gets dropped. You got a three stack of hammers on somebody and that model goes down expectedly or unexpectedly. And then those hammers are on the other side of the board and you can't do anything about it. The game's over. So there's yeah. there's lots of ways for that plan to go wrong. There are also the occasional game where you can get an early lead and milk it all the way through 16 points. Sure. But that's not reliable. It's not consistent. No, not what, at all. What is, what is consistent, though, is developing a shape plan versus a crisis plan. Sure. Uh, so it's like, if I have an F, I know that I'm going to do this, this, and this. Uh, I need to go this way with this character, this way, this character. We talked about this back when we were doing the crisis deep dives, mm -hmm. where it's like we have these quadrants. Do I want to do a quadrant control type of setup where I'm basically going to go up here, faint, hard on the secure and I just grab that extract and run away um, or do I try to dominate my half of the board and keep parity on one um, and that very much comes down to reps but it, it's I, I think extracts are the hard spot right now when I was revisiting X-Force for the changes and everything I, I pretty much had my secures locked in like within the first couple of games. Like I, I've yeah. I've gone through and I've shifted them, but I always went back to no, I want these. No, I want these. Uh, it just like these feel good um, because they're the constant. They're they're very much that constant. My extracts, I've shuffled every single extract through there, and then finally ended up at I like this. I like senators because there's six there's six points on the board. That seems scary in like old X fours. Like oh my god, this sounds terrible. Um, mm. And I actually kind of wish I used to play Senators, right? Because the thing about Senators is my opponent can grab three, I can grab three. Where it gets fishy is if they have someone who's tanky as shit and can double yeah. move and grab a Senator and then just sit there in front of you and being like, I have your Senator now, what are you going to do? Yep. Um, and that is where Senators gets to be like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. Um because you can absolutely just be like, okay, I got your toy. What are you going to do about it? And right. let's just say Bill, for instance, where Bill is ever present right now, um, and probably always will be, <laughs> like, he moves up. There's very few characters who are going to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to get rid of Bill. Like, they're going to have to put so much resources into Bill, which then means that they're going to fall behind on secures because they're doing attack actions on Bill, who's right in front of them. Yeah. 
Um, and it just screws the whole entire math of your scoring that you're typically used to. This is why I like Senators is because it screws up your action economy because you can only move action once. Uh, you have the super easy availability to go and steal one of your opponent's Senators and then screw up what they're doing on their game. Um, and three, nobody really knows what to do on Senators right now. Like, it's super fun because I'm just like, <laughs> I'm going to go over here. And my opponent's like, man, I haven't played Senators in probably a year. And I'm like, that's what I thought. Um, I'm just a bully now. Uh, we keep saying it, but I really am. Um, but when we talk about like what I'm looking for in Extracts, it's how do I, not necessarily round one plays, but what are my closing plays? How do I, am I able to run away with this? Senators? No. But I also, I'm playing a, a team that doesn't really want to run away. I'm playing a team that wants to be in the fight, a team that wants to do this. Right. So what you should be looking at is what does my team want? Do I want to run away? Well, maybe I look at Creecore then because now I have a extract that once I hit that critical mass of if I run away, I'm good, then you, mm-hmm. you do it versus senators you can't run away with senators you want to be a team that's gonna be able to stick through it and be able to fight that game out um Cree-Core, i'd argue is one that i can run away with uh cubes is another one that arguably you can run away with you can very easily run away with cubes because of the fact that somebody gets dazed you take two of the cubes and just run um and then all of a sudden now your opponent has to hope that they have enough action economy to get where you're at to make you lose your basically steam engine that just started um so when we look at this we yeah. gotta look at what is my team wanting to do are they wanting to stand and fight are they wanting to be mobile are they wanting to run and that is more what influences my extract decision over what's my round one play on this what's my team look like if i have prio um i don't care about prio and that's probably the best feeling when i'm looking at my extracts I can play all of my extracts and not have prio or have prio and still be fine. And once you get to that, I think that's when you're like, okay, my extracts are set. I think some of that's a feature of what you're playing too. Like uh, I love that with the the update to the game, the update to some of the X-Force pieces that they did not change that like core dynamic of what X-Force has yeah. like always been. Okay. Where it's like I, I wanna, priorities I wanna has, like never been an issue. Okay. I want to I want to counter what you said right there because of your your talk of okay well let's take this and let's build three rosters and not have any overlap. I did that with Suns yeah. and I'm working on a Suns roster and I have it at a point where I feel the exact same way about Suns and Suns are very very different than X Force. I'm taking Creecore, I'm taking Cubes, and I'm taking I forget my third one. But basically they're my example of. I can't really sit in a fight with Suns. Like, they mm-hmm. kind of just fall over if they're against the wrong team. Um, so they would Sure, rather... but you also have two steals in the roster, like, like just affiliated. Yeah. But then this, this very much goes into this line of thinking of what is my team actively doing? I need to appeal my extracts towards that end game. Not the early game. I want to appeal to the end game. Do I have steals? Cool. I want an extract that I can actually steal. I want an extract that I can get away with easy. If I can't get away with senators, I'm not taking senators. I'm taking something like Creecore or Paranoia, something like that. Something that I can actually take and run away with because my team has that availability to me. So when you're looking at your extracts, it's very much, how do I win this game? 
for me with Suns, it's I'm going to find a spot where I hit critical mass and I'm just going to start running away. Yeah, and you have tools for that. Yeah. X-Force is I'm going to tar pit my opponent and beat the crap out of them and force them to be kind of in this position to where they can't run away. And that sounds like the very definition of playing on senders to me. Like that's exactly what senders yeah. is supposed to be as oh, a I scenario. Love, I love senders. <laughs> I love senders right now, man. Um, what, what do you think about that line of thought? Instead of looking at the early game, look at your end game. How do you close with your team's specific team? You know, I think my opinion on end game states and, and MCP is that there's just so so damn many of them that yeah. it you can't really prepare for that. Because you could base, you know, like, so Black Order has a lot of uh, quote unquote end games where you switch out of kill mode and go into a control mode. Um, Not as effective with a once per turn cosmic portal, but I mean, by and large, it's, it's still the effect on the game, right? So like, that's, that's still a massive effect on the game. That's an end game strategy. You lose Thanos halfway through that game. You don't have an end game strategy. You have to, you have to come up with a different one, either on the fly or, you know, you've done it enough. You also have the way to adapt. If you lose Thanos, well, what do you do? Well, I take. I have a two-point lead. We're playing cubes. I'm going to scoop as many cubes as I can and run spread to the winds, and then good luck. Um, like, you can't yeah. kill me. I'm Corvus on full health with the reality gem. Uh, well, you're, he's you're a lot easier to take down when he's holding three cubes. I mean, fair. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I get what you're saying. And Yeah. So, but, like, I, I think it's it's very much what is your primary plan for these extracts, like what what does your team primarily want to do? If you're playing a team, arguably you should know like what your overall end game looks like. Your your primary end game. Yes, you may have multiple options, and if anything, that makes you better if you have multiple options. Sure, I can go and I can control stuff, or I can kill stuff, or I can do this as sure. by order. Knowing all those options gives you a leg up because maybe your opponent doesn't know you have a third option on top of the first two. And it's up to you as the player to find out when to pull the trigger on when to shift. And that's the hard part, too, is knowing when to shift during the game. Yeah, because you can't get too greedy too fast. Like, trying to close out the game in any direction. Right? Trying to close out too early is is always almost always going to result in failure. right? So either you, you ran away too soon or you you kept diving when you didn't have to. Because you were trying yeah. to, like, oh, I just got to take out this character. Well, if I can take out Wolverine, let's say, uh, if I can just take him out, then I'll be good to go into the end game, right? It's so like killing Wolverine is the start of your end game. Once he's off the table, you're like, okay, I'm in my end game now. My end game is just to run away with these points. Mm-hmm. And if you can't kill Wolverine, then your end game never has a chance to materialize. You have to find a different end game or you're just going to lose because you know, you were right about Wolverine and he could just unwind <laughs> your whole runaway strategy. Then <laughs> whoopsie, that's not going to work. Uh, I, I agree with you that end games are better to focus on than early games. They're also a lot harder. Early games are really easy. You can say, I'm going to take this crisis. I'm going to do these things. And that's, you know, that's going to get me well into the mid game while an end game and an end game strategy are all going to be things that you have to kind of formulate over the course of 
the early and mid game. Even if you have a good idea of what your desired end game state is going into that. But, you know, I'm not saying like set up like a vision board or something, but you do kind of have to visualize the end game you want and, and strive to, you know, take those steps towards making that happen. And, uh, running away is a valid end game strategy. Um, I think that that's something that we're not seeing a whole lot of right now, at least not in the games of Christ protocol that I've played for a while. It, it, it used to be a lot more uh, running away was a valid early, mid, and late game strategy where you, you just got the thing and then you hung out with it and scored the points. And I'm really glad that that's gone. But at the same time, there are games where you look at the board, you count your points, and you say, you know, if all I do is double move into the corner, I can't get attacked more than once before this game is over. I'm going to bank on not dying to that one attack that's going to happen. Yeah. And that's that's an end game. End games are also hard because it's like the entire game builds towards this like <laughs> somewhat singular event, <laughs> which is like the final round or rounds of the game. And you don't get that time back. You don't get... You have to get yourself to the end game point, right? To practice an end game. So either you set things up on a on a board, and it's like it's always these like ridiculous like Kobayashi Maru kind of like situations where it's like it's it's unwinnable for one person and unlosable for the other. But you know, or you can set up you know parity, but like those are all manufactured. You might wind up in a situation like that, but it's not the same. I'm all for focus practice, but even focus practice on end game is is really hard. End game is just something that you have to you have to play the game to that point and then understand where you're in the end game now. Yeah. So when we're looking at choosing your crises, I think I think we I don't know if you I guess to hit on secures, I think you kind of agree with me that secures are easier and it's more of where do I want to be? And like yeah. how do I how do I maintain this? Um so I don't really know if we need to hit secures too, too hard just because they're like, they're just that. Um, and like extracts are definitely like the puzzle of like, how do I know this is actually good for me? And um, what, what do you think of it being just as simple as like, what does my end game look on these extracts and how likely is it for me to get to that end game? I think those are all real solid thought practices, you know, thought, thought practice, right? Get yourself in the situation. Think about what this looks like. Uh, Think about the pairings that it goes with. So, I mean, I like to think of crises in combination and not just by themselves. So thinking about a game plan on scoundrels is only one half of the game plan. And then I like to think about if I'm playing on Scoundrels, if I'm playing at 19, that means that I'm playing on Virus or I'm playing on Senators. And that's basically it. So I only have to think about 19 threat on Scoundrels in two different extract setups because we're never going to play on 14 Senators, right? Because that's that's gone. That's That's the old crisis not the new one and there's there's a limited amount 
of combinations at threat value. And I think that understanding those and knowing like what your options are on your roster can help you get yourself into that kind of mental exercise of like what the whole flow of the game looks like on a given pairing. But I mean, that's a ton of effort. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I do think that you want to look at what you think an end game looks like. Right. So like, what does an end game look like for senators? So for me, when I like visualize like what an, an end game looks like for senators, most of the time it's like, well, there's a lot of senators on the ground. Yeah. It's very much the end game I, I want. When I, when I look at senators, it's one, am I playing against inhumans? Cause Terra Genesis is a bitch on senators. Um, oh yeah. Because it's like, they just like have the target. It's like, who do they want to go for? Um, yeah. and Black Bull just kills people like crazy now. Uh, yep. but it's very much like it, it comes down to that. But I, I think it's better to look at the end game and try to like decipher what your possible end games could be than it is to hope your round one play pops off and carries you. I think it's much more reliable and much more consistent to plan for your mid to late game than to throw all your eggs in the basket on round one plays. Do you think that there's any merit to solid round one plays? I mean, you mentioned on senators that, you know, when somebody throws some giant Kaiju and picks up one of your senators, as opposed to one of theirs. And now you've got this giant threatening thing. That's just like, well, looks like senators is going to go four two this round. Like, uh, how does that? It. So, like, let's, it, it all depends on when they did it. Like, if they waited to do it until, like, later, and I only have, like, two people left to activate or one person left to activate, then there really is nothing I could do about it. I'm going to be like, well, I guess I have to go and address this issue here, spread out more, and like, go along this because there's no yeah. way I'm going to take it out. But if they go and do it, the, their very first activation, they say their second player, and they just move across and take my senator, I'm just going to throw everything I got into it because now I'm taking their big heavy threat off the table early. Like, Yeah. yeah. I agree with you there. Like, that's not something I think that, like, I don't think that it is a good or smart play to be that aggressive on senators. I think that by and large, you're going to want to let that develop. And yep. it's not necessarily going to develop all that great, right? Because it's like, well, they're going to go pick up one of theirs. Probably the one you're threatening. Yeah. You're going to go what, pick up one of yours. What's go scarier to me on Senators is Fury Grunts. They're by far scarier than, let's say, a Hulk coming and grabbing one of my Senators. Because now they are essentially saying... I'm taking this senator out of reach for you unless you're going to yeah. come after me. And I only gave you a character that doesn't matter because they're going to come back anyways. Yeah. Um, so if you're playing senators, you're probably playing Fury Grunts or Shadowlands Daredevil because he more than likely doesn't die. Um, like there's there's a bunch of different plays you could do with it. Um, but the reliability of it is very much like you're you're asking questions, which is more important than providing answers, in my honest opinion. If you could put your opponent into that think tank, ask the questions of what are you going to do now? I just sent a grunt to pick up your senator, and then you killed them. I dropped it closer to me, so now you're going to have to commit to my side of the board if you still want the senator. Yeah. And committing to the other side of the board is a, a real 
scary place to be. <laughs> for, for like not to like state the obvious too much, but like when you're putting a model that close to your opponent's resources, right? All of their bodies, all of their shots, everything that they want to do, uh, that can go very badly very quickly. <laughs> the earlier you do it in the round, the the worse it, it's going to be. There used to be a lot more stranded in the center in this game than there is now, where you would just like you didn't have safe grabs. You would do things where you would just like walk up and try to pick something up off the center line. And then that was all you got to do. And yeah, (laughs) now now you're going to stand there and hope you live. And you literally had to, like if you did that too early, like you weren't, there was no way you were going to live. And if you, if you could time that right, then you would get in this sweet spot where like you were going to get it. And then so long as you didn't have anything else on your team that was in like imminent danger, if you had priority, you could just walk away now. You're like, all right, I'm out. And it, it was a different kind of uh, priority grab. It certainly wasn't just <laughs> grabbing something from the middle and getting back to safety. And I yeah. do think that there's a lot of merit in that. Like, there's a reason why I don't want to run Montesi. Because if you give that to someone who has a safe centerline grab and they have priority, boom, it's gone. Now you have to solve for parity. You're no longer playing, you know, Montesi demons. Now you're trying to figure out, well, how do I maintain the points to keep myself in this game? Because I certainly don't want to stand on these demon portals because they, they make me worse at the game. But I've got to get that off of you. But I don't. I can't, you know, dive. I can't just dive at you for this, you know, single point. Just dive at your castle and watch what happens while you, you know, sacrifice and bodyguard and eyes on the you know, eye, eye in the sky and whatever else you have to basically blunt my approach. So I, I think that you can still do those kinds of things if you're built for it. I think the point that, correct me if I'm wrong here, the point that you're making is that like dumping too much into that sort of an approach isn't actually helping you in the long run. No. Yeah, that's, a tournament that's or your that's, your experience playing MCP. Yeah, it's it's like I, I think that's perfectly fair. Yeah, and I, I think people focus too much on the round one plays. Like I said, like like I started this out with, like I see way too often. Well, if I have prio on this scenario, I just win. Like, do you really? Like, like do do you? Like, why why do you just win if you have prio here? Um, I don't I don't really understand that line of thinking. And I, I really would like that line of thinking to just stop uh, because it, it doesn't get anywhere. And then, <laughs> and then it turns into this whole group think where people are like, "Man, Prio is what? Like, what do I do with Prio? What do I do with Prio?" Um, well, let's just say fifty percent of the time, at least, you're not going to have Prio out on these scenarios, and you're right. almost more prepared looking at what's your non-Prio plan than what's your Prio plan. Like, how do I combat the centerline grab? How do I combat? Um, like, how do I keep parity on extracts if I'm playing cubes and my opponent has prio? Would you I say have all these different things? Would you say that building those kind of plays into your roster is something that you can control? So, in some ways, it's it's since it seems to be the phrase of the episode, low hanging fruit, if you will, mm-hmm. that. You're, you're basically, you're making choices in turn zero to have options on the table with priority to, you know, do a thing, have a safe grab, uh, th- as an example, 
you can plan all of that out. Terrain uh, allowing, like you can manufacture some crazy play. Like far more often than not with priority. You can't plan those things out into the mid and end game. You can have an idea what you want the mid game to look like. You can have an idea what you want the end game to look like. But that's where it kind of comes back around to experience and reps and having a great strategy, having, you know, good tactics on the table. Those things take more in-game action than these first-turn plays. First-turn plays are kind of... I don't want to say they're unique to MCP because they're not. They're in a lot of different games. They're just things that you have control over from the moment you decide to include piece X and crisis Y in your roster. Would you agree with that? Yeah, sure. Okay. So if you don't have any of those things, do you think that you're at a disadvantage? No. Okay. Because if you don't if, have any of those things, then what are you mm-hmm. reading? Because there was a while when I was looking at X-Force, I was like, I don't really want to bring Bill. I'm tired of playing Eyes on the Prize. I'm tired of doing all these sneaky grabs. And before I right. started throwing grunts in there, because I was playing Senators. Um, okay. I, I was like, well, if I just have counter grab center line plays and basically work against what everybody else is doing then uh, I should be even better off than having a round one turn one play because I'm stopping the round one turn one play. So whether I have priority or not, I'm able to stop and then I can honestly like when you when you focus on the round one turn one plays, you basically put blinders on to the rest of the game. You're just like, I'm going to do this round one. Turn one, this is my play. When it's like, well, maybe I actually want to do this, and maybe my opponent makes a mistake by grabbing this now, and now I'm able to go and do this to them. Like, there's more to the game than just a round one turn one play. It's basically what I'm saying. I I definitely agree with that. I think I'm trying to establish a baseline value for where where you value that. Because I do think that if all you do is just be like, you just don't have round one plays or anything, yeah. you know, built into your rosters to like be like, no, 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 when I'm on this, like when I get this scenario pairing, this is what I want to do with these two characters. I'm going to try and force this. I think that you can't just replace it with nothing. You you can't just be like, no, 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 no. That's that's what I was trying to say is like, (laughs) I don't have the round one play. I have something else and it's there for a reason. Like I didn't bring bill with eyes because I'm bringing mystique and deception and I'm going to pull your round one play. Or I'm bringing, sure. I'm bringing Fury and his grunts, and I'm going to work into this whole entire reposition game plan to where I'm going to grab two extracts now, even if I don't have Pryo. And then you're going to attack me, and then I'll reposition and get my stuff all on one side of the table to where you're mm. not expecting it. And I don't need round one to do that. I could do that round two. I could do that round three. Or not round, not round, but turn. Turn two or turn sure. three. Um, but like more so focusing on progressing yourself to be able to reach that mid game slash end state instead of focusing on round one. And I think that is the mistake people make. And I keep saying it is like the mistake is there's so much focus on round one that people don't even 
prepare for mid to late. Like, I, I don't want to bring up Shatterpoint too much on this, but it's like, I guess something that Shatterpoint has taught me is I prepare for the mid to late game more than I prepare for the early game. And doing that has been honestly like really, really good for my MCP games to where if I'm preparing for the mid to late game, then honestly, I'm two steps ahead of my opponent. Then they're just focused on what's happening right now. What's my round one play? I got to grab this and grab this. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll be up on score in three rounds. And because I'm already positioned for this, I'm going to be able to stop this because I'm there before you expected me to be there. And I'm ahead of you in terms of positioning. So there's definitely a, a mindset element to this. And it's not, I don't think it's even as surface level as this guy has a realm on play and Dizzard doesn't. I think the, the, the mind game, not like a mind game, but like it, it's like there is a level of mental preparation and approach to the game that is trying to, to dig in beyond just putting some pieces to execute a plan that there's a lot more flexibility to it. Now, one major difference, right, is that in MCP, you've got agency. You can choose round one plays in MCP. You don't really have that option in Shatterpoint because of the way that their their ordering system works. Like you're, You're literally forced into a different line of thinking, but arguably being forced into that line of thinking has opened up my line of thinking for MCP. I mean, I think that whenever you, you know, play other games, it brings new things to light, right? Because, like, True. at the end of the day, whether you play one game exclusively or you, you dabble in a bazillion or, you know, you play a couple of miniatures games, a couple of card games, and a couple of board games that you like a whole lot. You're like, however you're splitting your time when it comes to gaming, you're going to get a different spread of, you know, feedback, we'll call it, from the different yeah. games that you play so far as just, you know, strategy is concerned. Like, you can, like, risk and an army game an army minis game play completely differently, but at the same time you're managing resources or, you know, you're trying to, you know, capture key points for, for gain. Right. So like at the same time, they're, they're very different, but there's, there's a lot of similarities. And I think that, you know, whenever you can learn something from a different game and apply it to the game, you know, we're talking about, you learn from chess, you bring it to MCP, you learn from Shatterpoint, you bring it to MCP, you learn from magic, you bring it to MCP. I don't know. I'm off topic now. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I mean, <laughs> okay. ideas uh, from games are, you know, like you, you can get different ideas yeah. from different games. You get feedback, you get validation from, you know, but choices that you the, make. The main, the main point I think you were trying to make was like you throw somebody off. Like, let's say you're looking at my list and I don't have eyes on the prize. I don't have a typical round one turn one game plan if I have prio. Or even if I don't have prio, I don't have sure. that game plan. And then all of a sudden my opponent's like, what is this guy trying to do? And then they go into a think tank of trying to predict what my game plan is without that card. And maybe they're just thinking that I'm some scrub and I have no idea what I'm doing because I'm not playing eyes on the prize. Which you don't you don't need eyes on the prize to win MCP. It's it's I, I, I hate that line of thinking that I have to have eyes. I have to have eyes. You don't need eyes. You don't need an <laughs> eyes carry. You you really don't. I agree with you. You don't. Um, I, I don't think it hurts you, right? And I think that, again, some of this is just the tools that you're given and the way that you like to play the game. And so if if you play an affiliation that doesn't have an easy way, you know, doesn't support you 
and having strong turn one plays, then like turn one plays probably aren't a great place for you to look, even though you can splash them in, right? You almost always need something affiliated to, to support you in but, your approach. Okay. But that comes back to what I was saying earlier is you're looking at your crisis selection, primarily your extracts here is sure. what is my team doing? What am I vying for, for that mid to end game state? Once I figure out what my team wants for that, your extract selection is so much easier. So I think it's I a think really that, important consideration for sure. I, I think I think where the issue that a lot of players are having right now is they focus on this round one play and then they don't look at the afterthought. So they start taking things like hammers, they start taking things like cubes, they start taking things like uh, I don't know, like let's just say paranoia. I don't know what round one plays for paranoia. It's really that's good, um, but like, like they start so taking, fast. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> you look at all this stuff. I guess like a grunt, a grunt carrier is probably really good there. Um, I don't really see how eyes helps you too much with paranoia. Not really, but like you have all these I mean, different scenarios, and then people start saying like, "Well, I have a round one play with this." It's like, okay, cool, you had a round one play, but what did that actually buy you? Other than you wasted a tactic card slot, and then you still lost that point anyways. So wasting the tactics card slot seems strong to me. Like a lot of affiliations I mean, don't okay. have great tactics cards. A lot there. of like okay. you build a hand of five. Like you, you don't play all five of those every game. You play oh, three no, to you're, four you're not in wrong. almost every game. I just, I just feel, I, I, I strongly feel that we need to stop focusing on the round one play and focus on the mid to late game on how what your team wants mid to late game and let that influence your extract decision, not the other way around. Because I think people are so so much a mindset of what's my round one look like and that's what influences their extract decision. Counterpoint, right? Or devil's advocate, whatever you want to call this. What if my mid and end game, like what if my, my preferred mid and end game are being up on points by pushing very hard to take yours, right? So, like, let's go back to some of, like, the old F-dives, right? So we haven't seen an F-dive in, like, oh, two case, years of MCP time, which is, like, three months, right? It's, like, it's, nobody's done, like, any sort of F-dive. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll grab the middle and then grab the back one. Yeah, right. So it's And it's not even, it's like, you set up a safe grab on the center point. So if, if you've got a medium base long mover, right, mm-hmm. and you've got a medium base medium mover or two, uh, and or a toad, right? So Asgard is a great example of this. Mm-hmm. They want, in my opinion, Asgard is played. Asgard is at its strongest when it is trying to score out as quickly as possible. The game has nothing to do with attrition. You can attrition, but you're just rolling dice. So sure. who knows what that looks like, right? Sure. Asgard wants to score as quickly as possible. My approach okay. to that was to basically bring Angela when she fit. Lizard and Toad almost every time. Thor because I had to, and then mm-hmm. whatever would fit, either instead of Angela or in addition to. And then I was going to set up Angela's center so she could safe grab the middle point. She mm-hmm. could also reach both back points. Okay. All right. So just to then save you, Toad to save and you. Lizard on either side. And just dive. to save you some time. Just to save you some time. Okay. Your mid to end game state dictated that, not your round one. Your end Absolutely. No, no, no. My but, yeah, okay. But that's that, but like like what you're basically what you're doing is you're proving my point. You're proving my point. That's that fine. If you, I needed round one. I needed round one plays to do that. 
(laughs) (laughs) Which is my point. But what I'm trying to say here, though, is like, stop focusing on the round one play. Focus on the mid to end where you want to be and let that dictate your round one, not the other way around. Because if I I don't think anyone should should walk up to the the game or their opponent or their friends or their play group or anybody else and be like, all I got to do is win prior when I got this game. Like that's, that's just not true. That's patently false, sir. (laughs) But but the the thing thing here is like, you're saying that you're having an issue with your extracts. Okay. Well, where does black order want to be mid to late game? I'm not, they want black order is fine on extracts. I I have no questions about that. I don't know what to do with X-Men blue. I have no idea what crises I want to run for X-Men blue. So X-Men blue, where do they want to be mid to late game? They want to be alive. Uh, that's just that's one thing. Um, they want to be. I don't think I like D have... shapes very much for what that's worth with them. But but like when we look at like where they want to be, they want to be in a position where they're like somewhat healthy, but they can't. You can't expect mm-hmm. to be healthy. You, I would I would say somewhat healthy is a fair statement for where they could expect to be and where they want to be due to like healing factor characters and their defenses and all that. Um, they want to be probably somewhat spread out and not so clustered together, like but like within a five within a five bubble. If you're playing Cyclops, more yeah. spread out. If you're playing Storm, um, sure, because Storm Hop is less. You want to be clustered anymore, so you want to be spread out. So that immediately makes me think, okay, I don't really want anything that's a C or an E uh, for Storm, but I do for Cyclops because now I'm forcing that range five bubble. Yeah. Um. I don't want spiders or intrusion or spiders or cubes for Scott because he wants to be close. I think spiders and cubes is arguably good for Storm because at that point, like she doesn't really need to be close up together. Other people do, and like so, we're looking at all these scenes of where I want to be, like position wise slash health wise slash um, uh, attrition wise. At that state of the game, I should expect Scott mid to late game to be either tied on attrition or above on attrition because I've had this excess power to come in to pay for more throws, to pay for more uh, mm-hmm. big attacks, to pay for boosted attacks, all this type of stuff. So I should expect Scott to be anywhere from tied on attrition or just ahead on attrition. Storm, I'm probably below attrition or just below tied. I expect her to be there and not ahead on attrition. Um, so I want something, I'm not going to want cubes with storm because now that's going to hurt me because, and I don't want to lose extra life when I don't need to be losing extra life and I can't afford to be losing extra life. So now when I'm looking at storm, I'm like, well, virus is probably fine because I get spread out. The scenario doesn't really hurt me. It's a very neutral scenario. Um, cubes, I don't care for, it's a little slow. Sure. But it's manageable to where storm could like have her team be able to have a decent like i can put up a fight and then i can run away when i need to yeah. um let's well, say first of all i think that the the combination of leaders opens up x-men quite a yeah. lot so I agree. Uh, storm has been on the roster in the games that i've played with them but i have not been like i i'm not i'm not exploring not that space i'm trying to explore yeah. scott right so it's like it's been a lot of what i call stress testing where I'm just going to play this leadership and, you know, a selection of characters that I think are good with it. Uh, But I'm, I'm, I'm playing to understand what happens when not playing to be like, all right, if I do X, Y, and Z, then I'm set up for, you know, the next step. Yeah. We go into, you know, phase three and. But I, I think it's, it's easier to look at it and be like, where do I expect to be 
and like give yourself a realistic like a real check not just be like well i want storm to be ahead of on attrition full healthy character like be realistic about it <laughs> i'm gonna uh, have it all everything is going to yeah. be it's coming up me <laughs> and, like if you can come down to those determinations and be like and like let that dictate your extract choices um I think it's a good approach, for what it's worth. I pushed you back on you uh, quite a lot about this, but I think it's I think it's a good approach. And I think it's better than going. What's my turn one play? Like if I don't have a turn Absolutely. one play, I'm not playing this scenario. I think that's. <laughs> I mean, so I have not had that same encounter with like anyone that I am close to uh, when do it comes to peruse, MCP. Do you peruse the fan server at all? I go in the Black Order room and I tell people how to play Black Order. Okay, but like, do you don't jump around all the other <laughs> chats and all that? Like, um, where you see, I, where I will. You see I only bump people. into. I bump into other chats when I'm trying to like easy mode into a, a starting point yeah. for like what but I'm like, what, what I want. I guess. I guess I'm being a little little. Um, like I haven't seen it so much lately as it used to be. But it was very much was like, what's my round one play? What what's your round one play? What's your round? Okay. What is your prio round one play? You have this scenario. What are you doing? Um, I don't care. I don't care what your round one play is. Everybody can do a round one play. What is your end game? What are you looking to accomplish by bringing this scenario? Well, I'm bringing senators because I want these scenarios to be on the ground. I want you to be stuck in place. I want you to be yeah. where I want you to be. That's why I'm bringing senators. Like. Have a reason for why you're bringing that extract and have it make sense for what your team is and what you're bringing. Um, I do want to jump over. I want to jump over to what Joey was talking about with what about threat value. Um, I think nowadays is probably the best time to not really give a shit about threat value. I, I, I like, okay, that's you break a that little hyperbolic. Little, little hyperbolic. <laughs> Um, and a little little bit of a, a, a hot fire take here, right? Um, <laughs> now that you mention has, it. But, no, but I, I, truly, I truly feel this. I don't care what threat it is. I have a decent team to a really, 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 really good team at every threat value because I have a five. I have a couple fours. I have a shit ton of threes, and I have a two. With that spread, I'm able to cover uh-huh. every threat value with what I want to cover. Now... Yes, this is being very biased with my list and how it's built, but why can't you do that with your list? Yes, you have an eight threat model and you have a five threat required model, and but then like you're not forced into like you could easily have eight, a five, a couple threes, a couple fours, and then throw two. I mean, it's, about, it's, it's about which pieces for me for what that's worth, and yeah. Um, I, for the most part, when I am building a, a black order roster, I am looking at it from the lens of shoring up the matches that I am well aware of are weak points, whether that's a crisis or an affiliation setup. And those are most of the pieces that I'm looking at bringing. And then the next step is to make sure that I can actually bring those pieces at the threat values that I expect to see in those matchups. So I, honestly, like Black Order is the worst reference point 
for any sort of because it's it's just a completely different like headspace. Let's let's look at let's look at X Men though. Like X Men, I think that's a good uh, one. Really, I think I think X Men is a terrible example because they have such a good affiliation spread now that I can go four three 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 a five of whatever flavor I want, whether it be Cable Gene or a Splash Five. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Badger I could throw in, or if I want a scoring carrot too, I can throw Bullseye yeah. or Wanan easily. So like you can very yeah. easily have the spread of, and this is kind of where I'm headed at, where I think MCP kind of needs to go back to where people are building lists, is focus on your threes, your fours are tech slots, your five is your worker, and your two does something. Uh, whatever unique task that two has. Akoya Bodyguard, uh, Widow for points. Bullseye stands sure. places and throws knives. Juan does everything because Juan's a beast. Uh, Badger kind of makes is annoying. So it's like, and Toad does extracts. Uh, so it's like you have these tech pieces. <laughs> like I, like when you really look at MCP, and I think this is where like the kaiju meta has really like warped MCP brain for everybody. Is we've gone away from using these pieces as they're designed. We've gone away from. We've gone into. I'm just gonna throw this seven threat model here or the six threat model here. And they're going to carry me and the rest of my team composition don't mean shit because I'm able to rely on the back and ride the coattails of this centerpiece. Um, Arguably, you can't do that so well anymore right now. Uh, The centerpieces aren't doing the same thing that they were doing. Most of them. Um, But like what what was MCP before we had Kaijus? And it was you had threes as your workers, fours were your tech slots. Fives were your like basically your big boy of the day. Like your your five was like your powerhouse. Like this, I'm bringing in the big gun here. Uh, and then like five plus is kind of in that territory. Your two is a unique, do a certain specific job, and like that was it. And I think we need to get our minds wrapped back around that concept of threes are my workers, not my sixes and my sevens. Like sixes and sevens are not workers. They're not going around and flipping points. I mean, they do. But if I have more threes, yeah. I can flip more points. I could grab more points. I can do all this stuff instead of being all my eggs in one basket. I kind of don't really understand how we ended up be- getting to that point of having some seven threat Malekith making that core concept of the game just not exist anymore. And not even able to fight that with those because he would just, okay, well, I'm just going to kill all these threes in one hit. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what it was. Yeah. Because you would just lose the role player that you, you know, like you're, or, you know, you, you lose your role player, you would lose your workers. And they're just gone. They're gone forever. And the output on Malekith pre changes was like through the roof. You do so much. It's incredible. I mean, dabbling around in Black Order again, um, even at Nova before the changes, nobody likes playing against anything that's going to remove your models and keep priority. That is just not an enjoyable experience. And I, (laughs) that's, it, it is what it is. And I, I think that so far as, you know, getting back to playing the scenario game, let's call it right. So like the plan is, you know, you bring these characters to do the work on the table and you assume that they're going to, live through it you have a much better chance of them living through it again i think hulk's the only one who's really 
you know, stands out as yeah. being an incredibly powerful piece. And, you know, when, when you crunch the numbers on what Nightcrawler brings to the game <laughs> and how, how quickly he's going to be able to chew through a model like a Hulk or, you know, a, a Malekith or a Thanos or any of these larger models, I think that that's a really interesting, uh, I don't want to call it a fix because I'm curious how it works out, right? I was I was around to hear how how busted Ebony Maw was going to be before he got released and never quite panned out. No, so we definitely been wrong. Oh, but he's, he's I, great. But I think like my my point here is like why I think threat value shouldn't matter as much as people make it matter is you have the tools to build your list to where you have a good team on every threat. But you're yes. you're robbing yourself of that by not playing the tools you're given and falling into a group thing. Only counterpoint I would have for you on that is the the power of priority. That priority is a very powerful mechanic in the game. Sure. And just play CS. And- just play CS, then you, you you're gonna steal it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have a Russian mob list that I really want to get on the table as soon as I'll possible. CS CS actually personally kind of scares me right now because they can do this where they're running threes as workers, they're running the four as a tech piece, they're running um and they run all according to plan, and now they can run a wide list, and it's better than it ever was before because now they're not to get their whole entire team one shot by a Malekith or right um, something else. Now I just have to worry about Logan. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like I, I i have been doing this for basically since the reworks of being like okay i'm gonna go cable deadpool and then it's like cable deadpool 23 like that's my core and then i throw a four and four tech piece i need somebody who's gonna help me on scenarios and has some attrition power i take psylocke i'm on an e i need somebody who's survivable i'm taking colossus i'm on an e but i need to kill more than survive i'm taking wolverine um so it's like I'm using my sure. fours as tech pieces and I'm using my threes as my almost I, I don't want to say guaranteed, but like for lack of a better term, I want my threes for my guaranteed output. Um, and I think that's a fair statement. I think threes are pretty much across the board for the most part a guaranteed output. You know what they're going to do. You know what they're going to accomplish. A four, arguably, you don't you can't really like say that I know this four is going to do this because a lot of fours are very multifaceted where they can go left, right, or center and like not in game terms, just in like like just general direction terms of like what am I going to do with this character this turn? Well, they're going to sit over here on a point and score it. Well, now this turn they're going to go over here and kill three models. Okay, well now this turn they're going to go over here and do this. So my fours have more options of what they're able to do and I don't know what their overall output is going to be on the game. That's one of the biggest things I hated about OG Sabertooth for a while is some games he'd be great. Other games he'd just sit on a point and feel like he was doing nothing. Um, uh, so it's like that's that's like my whole entire experience playing Weapon X. <laughs> it wasn't even OG Sabertooth. It was Logan sure. or Sabertooth. And it, it constantly think, just like, well, But I, I think that's very much like... I think that's very much what happens with fours a lot of times is people start jamming a lot of fours and they expect the world of these fours and then they kind of just end up being lackluster and you're like, well, I could have just brought two threes instead of a four and a two and feel like I got more accomplished with that. Um, And a lot of times you're right, you could have and you should have. And that's where I'm pushing this agenda of let's go back to running threes. Let's go back to like having teams that are like five, three, three, four. And that's a pretty good lineup. 
and then that'll help you feel better across the board on your threat values of let's look at my roster overall let's go five three fours that's that's four uh or even four fours if you really want a bunch of threes and then a two and now all of a sudden if you look at your fours like tech slots and not like well i gotta have bill because i need an eyes play you say well what four do i need that's a tech slot it it is to be fair that is a tech slot that is the definition of a tech slot to be fair, it is. But <laughs> work with me here. Uh, if I if I look at this and I just immediately jump to Bill, I am locking myself out of. I don't know. Let, let's say Psylocke. Uh, let's say Kalak. Hella Loki. Yeah, like, Hella, the, the, like the, Loki. There, there's tons of like, pieces out there. I agree. Like Bill, Wolverine. Bill, Doctor Bill is great, and Bill does help win some games, but. Bringing Bill because he can do eyes and then not bringing Hella where Hella might have actually been better for you. Uh, bringing Fury Jr. and Eye on the Sky or Eye on the Sky, even though it's splash, you don't get it back. It's still a great card um, because it's a anywhere on the board two power yeah. escort to safety. Like it's it's nuts. Okay, let um, me before we move too far past it. If you're yeah. looking for an eyes play, I think that Hella is a better piece for you I agree. to bring. Yes, period. Yes. She's going to have more of an impact over the course of the entire game after an eyes play than Bill is going to on Agreed. the same play. Uh, when you do the eyes play, you ruin Bill's economy for the first, I would argue, three turns of the game. Um, or he, he's getting heat from it, right? Where with Hella, you can you can just turret for the rest of the game from a safe position. You do a, you, you go up. You make your eyes play. You get back on a point that you can stand on and score two points for the rest of the game as long as you're there. Until they dive onto your Hella, she's just going to score two points for you. And you're not asking her to do anything more than that because she doesn't have a throw. She doesn't have a size four throw like Bill does. She doesn't have damage reduction. She doesn't have all these things that Bill has that make him a much better frontline fighter, whereas Hella's just a straight-up backline. And I think that you, if you're going to do an eyes play, you don't want that on your frontline fighter. It's the same reason why you don't want to put your extracts on your bodyguards. (laughs) I see that stuff all the time, too, where you're like, oh, okay, that was an interesting decision that you made there. Like, I thought that guy was going to try (laughs) So, like, now, do do you you bodyguard this or do you let it go through on the character that, like, doesn't score any points this turn? I don't know. Hella. Hella for Eisen applies. And Bill for everything else. Yeah, Bill has a great throw. He survives. But like you said, it messes up his power economy. It messes up his, like, where he wants to be. Where it's like, yep. my eyes with Bill, well, now I'm going to be pulling him back to a secure. And then now his round two is going to be offset because he's not pushing the envelope. He's yeah. actually pulling like, it back. Unless you're running him under New Zemo, his economy is ruined for the rest of the game. Yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, but, like, what, what do you think about threat? Like, does threat dictate what crises you take? The threat of the crises um, is like the maybe like the last consideration for me. Like it's like, does this put me in a really rough spot if I give up? If I if I put this threat value into the mix and then my opponent comes back and it's like, oh yeah, let's definitely do that threat value. I like that one. Uh, so I, I do think that it matters, uh, but at the same time, I am looking at my team. So I, I agree with the the general like loadout, right? Like you want to make sure that you've got a three or four, three threats that you've got two to three, four threats, um, a five, maybe a six. And at 
I, I, I like bringing a two threat. Yeah, I don't I really do. like bringing two, um, but they, there are interesting teams that you can make when you do bring two two threats. So there's there's a place for it. What do you want your mid game and your end game to look like? And just understand that your two threat, at least one of your two threats, probably not going to be there because <laughs> that's how that works. But um, I want to be able to bring the characters that I am bringing to do a job at the threat value where I need them to do that job. And so yep. that's that's a huge part of it. So for me, I'm not so much looking at like, okay, Paranoia is 16 threat. I don't want 16 threat. I'm going to look at my team and go, can I bring, like what pieces do I need to succeed at Paranoia? Right, mm-hmm. like a healing factor characters or a, a grunt situation or some other situation where I can manufacture not taking damage. And this is another reason for why I think X-Force is way up higher on this affiliation tier list than <laughs> even I'm giving it credit for is because I'm a very firm believer that X-Force don't give a shit about what threat value it is. They don't give a shit about what shape it is. They don't give a shit about what crisis it is. They have an answer to help you on every single crisis. You heard it. Here. Oh, I know very little about playing X-Force because I proved myself every single time I try. <laughs> let me let me teach you the ways. Let me teach you. The ways. <laughs> um, okay, so let's 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 kind of see if we can put a little bow on this and make this okay. last hour and a half actually concise instead of all over the place. <laughs> um, I'm in. I'm in. All right. So secures. I think we're both in agreement that secures are typically easy to find out for your affiliation. It's more along the lines of where do I want to be and. Am I actually making impact with the secure? With the caveat that I think that also matters what what you as a player want to play on are yeah. is a is also a factor for for secures. And so, like, don't bring like flip secures if you're playing kingpin. But yeah. if you like the kingpin playstyle, like get better secures. And if you like the flip secure playstyle, then like maybe kingpin's not the right choice. Yeah, uh, I think that's pretty. Easy sum up for secures extracts. Yeah, think about the end game. Think about the think about the mid to end game of where you expect to be as far as attrition. Um, yeah, attrition is probably the big one, and placement on the table, and that should dictate or help dictate your crisis selection more so than what's my round one priority play. You don't need a round one priority play. No, you don't. If you don't have one, you should still have a plan, either for it or to solve it. But you, you don't need to stock up on massive turn one stuff unless you literally need that to get yourself into the mid game and end game st- states that you want. Yeah. So, like, if it's part of your plan to get there, then absolutely. If you don't need that to get to your mid game state that you're looking for, then you don't need it. Like that's the best way to put it. You got it there. Um, threat value. Let's go back to bringing threes in this game instead of everybody jamming a big boy in their roster because not every list and not every game needs a big boy. <laughs> and if not every game, not every list needs a big boy. Um, but I, 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 I truly, I truly think though, if you go back to this, like there's probably some lists that still want a big boy. I, I'm not going to say they don't, yeah. but not every list does. Like, I think running more threes gives me more 
um, game across the field of crises than bringing a big boy and being like, well, now I suck at 16. 15's a pain in the ass. I can't play um, 19 this scenario very well because I don't get this. So you bringing that big boy a lot of times is actually what's screwing your roster selection for threat than helping it. If you've got a big boy pet character that you want to push into every single roster that you play, go for it. Yeah, sure. You're giving up a lot to do that. Uh, so I think that a couple metrics that I use on this front are uh, if you can hit six wide at 16, I think that that's a very happy place to be in a wider roster. Uh, hitting six wide at 15, you're making a lot of concessions to hit six wide at 16. You basically need a three threat leader and be willing to run two, two threats on your roster. You've got four other slots remaining, like fill it up with some four threat role players or some hitters or a centerpiece, like go for it. But if you can create teams that can go six wide from 16, you're going to put yourself in a great spot to play scenario, pretty much period. Not every team can do that. Not every affiliation can do that. You're not going to want to do it every single game, but if you can build that stuff into your roster, you're probably going to be happy for it on the other side. Yeah. It opens up a lot on scenario games. And if nothing else, it will teach you what wider lists can do. Get the last bite at the apple. Yeah. And I also implore you to just play every crisis in your list. I know not everybody has the time for that, but like if you played a crisis, uh, you played six crises in your list one week and you're going to the game store the next week, don't play any of the same crises. Like, explore and find what works for you. Stop the groupthink because groupthink is what like led us to where we were two months ago. That's fair. If you don't know what to play for crises, just bring whatever. Yeah. Because it's so hard. Or like, you know, pick pick two that you think are good and bring a third one. Uh, another thing that you or, can do, I mean, go for it. I was going to say, or you could just neglect all life responsibilities and play nothing but MCP all day and then really figure it out what your list wants. I mean, you, you will unlock the code then, right? Like that, yeah. If that's an option for you, like that's that's probably a great choice for improving your MCP play <laughs> uh one of the mottos from some of the local guys that i hang out with uh that played mcp with last year uh was lose on thursday to win on saturday i think that that's uh, a great mindset to have like what you bring to the game store winning games at the game store like that's don't get yourself validation from that <laughs> Like, probably don't even get it from, like, tournament play. Like, find something else in general. <laughs> play the game for fun. Uh, but lose on Thursday to win on Saturday. Try new things. Do the things that you're uncertain of and and try to, you know, figure new things out and get better at the game. And also, to do that, you have to take risks. I think, lastly, the last thing you want to look at with crises is if you don't enjoy playing on a crisis because you find it boring or it's just not fun to play, then don't play it. Like, if you want to play on Researcher because you actually enjoy the mechanic of the game that that's bringing, then play Researcher. If you Don't let anyone game, tell you that it should <laughs> that you can't or shouldn't. Yeah, like, like I think like at, at the core root, like, like develop a plan for it so you're not just getting mollywhomped on it. But, like, if you enjoy a certain crisis or crisis, 
like just play it because you enjoy it like it's a game like we're here to play a game we're here to have fun like and this is probably the best time to do it and just like have fun with it it's a whole new world right now whole new world whole new world um is there anything else you want to touch on any closing thoughts no, those are like all closing thoughts for me. Okay, fair. All right, I got, I got something to bring in our um, trying to change things as far as like the, the cast goes and yeah, all that type of stuff. Um, I challenge the listeners to in anywhere that they be taking Bill and Eyes, try Hella. Like, just stop taking Bill for your next game night or your next game, and take Hella with Eyes instead of Bill, and see how it feels. I mean, unless you need him for affiliation, because you're playing. Yeah, 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 yeah that's Guardians. fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, really work. But like, if you're splashing, here, uh, if you're splashing, there Bill, we go. Yeah, if you're splashing Bill for an eyes play, take Hella instead of Bill and just see how it feels. Now, for anybody who's like not falling into that camp and wants something else to do, um, play Senators. Like, like literally, go play Senators and like see how fun that game is like centers is just really just a fun game fight in the middle fight in the middle all right uh i guess i guess you want to you want to say the 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 thing well i guess with that we've been the rogue agents and you've been a listener I thought you were going to say the going gets tough thing. (laughs) I never never know how to say it right. And you do. I thought that's what you were going to say. Uh, I'm not even sure where, where like, so if it's the going gets tough or the going gets rough, I haven't decided like which one of those I think it's like, when the going gets rough, the tough go rogue. There it is. I like that one the most. That's tough. Joey says tough.